0: Crazy. the name.
1: He is my
0: you <laughs> your hands and give God
1: Thank you for your deliverance thank you for your salvation thank you for your restoration oh thank you for just being god all by yourself hallelujah when i was a little boy in mississippi they used to say if
0: i had ten thousand tongues there wouldn't be enough to tell god thank you so while you
1: have breath in your
0: You don't know, Lager.
1: Thank you for your mercy, Thank you for your grace. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Wonderful Savior. Woo! Wonderful Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: If you need a healing, praise him right now. If you need a touch, praise him right now.
1: If you need to feel the presence of God, praise him.
0: I don't know about you but i don't take for granted that i'm gonna get back here next week i don't take for granted that when i leave here on monday that i'm gonna be alive on tuesday so while i got breath running in my body
1: and, it, and i have blood coursing through my veins i'm gonna give god a praise
0: your hands and give God some praise in this place. Whew. That was good if you were clapping for me, but, but he who hung the sun and the moon and the earth and the, and the sun and the sky, he who keeps your body and heals you through your hurts and aches and pain, he who fills your heart with love and eases all your woes and all your griefs, why don't you give God a praise in this place? Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Don't do it! Don't do it! I get excited! I get excited! David said it. I was glad when they said unto me, "I wasn't born. I didn't look at church to the joy." But David said, when I look at how God loved me, when I didn't love myself, I was glad when they said unto me, "Let us go into the house
1: of the Lord." Hallelujah! For oh, Jesus.
0: Oh Jesus, oh Jesus, I don't want, I'm not worried about a program. If you got a praise that you need to give God, give it to him right now. If you got a worship that you need to give God, you don't have to jump and scream like me. That's my personality, but whatever you have right now, give it to God right now in this moment. Bless the name of Jesus. If you're a prayer warrior, begin to pray for the anointing of God, to fill this place, to break off shackles, to loose the
1: brokenhearted and the bounds.
0: Thank you, Jesus. 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 Nah, nah. That's why we're here, y'all just in case you forgot that name his name is jesus do you have sickness in your body at that authority at that name it has to bow his name is jesus sister messer if you're watching i believe he can heal you right now his name Mother Mabel, he can give strength to your body right now. His name is Jesus. Sue it, he can give you the strength to make it. His name is Jesus. Brother Archie, he can keep you. His name is
1: Jesus. He said, I'm Jesus Christ.
0: Your hands and give God praise. <coughs> Sometimes it's good just to cut loose and let go of the programs and let go of the time <laughs> and just begin to worship and praise God. I don't know about you. But I feel the presence of God in this place. And we're not going to rest. We're not going to get ahead of God. We're not going to get in a hurry. But when the anointing fills this building, we're going to worship him. That's why we came after all. He is the guest of honor. He is why we're here. He's why we breathe. He's why we move. He's why we live. He's why we have our being. We didn't come here for each other. We came here to lift up the name of Jesus. to heal you today if you're broken hearted somebody watching today by by video might say i'm alone i'm in my room and nobody knows the trouble i've seen i've come to tell you that i can give you something that is not from a book it's something that i've lived that when you are at your lowest i learned it's one of my favorite scriptures the bible said that the lord is close to the broken hearted are you broken hearted today God can heal your body. Are you depressed and sad today? God can give you a lifting. Oh, and he walks with me and talks. your hands and give God praise in this place. Daddy, it's me again. I'm so glad you don't get tired of me. But we need you today. Holy Spirit, we need you. Jesus, we need you speak in this place that we might have life to our bodies quicken our mortal bodies by the power of your word and by the power of your spirit we need you Father I pray right now that you would send a healing to Pastor Pentecost right now he served this church faithfully for years God and now he's in his time of need and we ask God that you send healing to him send wisdom to the doctor send wisdom to the nurses heal and ease his pain God We submit and we depend on you, oh God. For those who need a blessing right now, if you're in the chat room online, you can chat and say, I need a blessing. Whatever it is, God. I don't know what everybody needs, but God, you're omniscient. You're all-knowing. You know what it is. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you grant it in the name of Jesus. According to your will. According to your word. Touch our hearts and our minds. Speak your servants, listen. We listen to your word today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may stand for the reading of God's word if you're not already standing. The book of James, chapter 4. James, chapter 4. Starting at verse 13 through 17. Welcome all to you who've come today. Welcome to all of you who are watching online now or in the future. You're always welcome here at Encounter Church, where our goal is to what? Reach the lost, to teach the the found, found. and And to change change the world, world. one life at a time. Today, our scriptures come from James chapter 4, starting at verse 13 through 17. You guys will have to excuse me. I'm in the presence. James chapter 4. Starting at verse 13 through 17. If they don't have it yet, I'll read it. James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. And we can read it together in concert. Let's read. Come now, you who say, tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, to him it is sin. I want to preach to you from this scripture, other related scriptures, and the aid of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the best made plans. You may be seated. Speak, Lord, your servants. Listen today in Jesus' name. Amen. The best made plans. James uses a lot of wisdom, a lot of proverbial wisdom in his scriptures. James begins to speak to us. And he begins to give us a passage, a passage that's kind of tucked in between some major things in the Bible that if you're not looking at it, you may overlook it. Doesn't seem too major, it's just a few scriptures, but how many of you know it only takes one word from God to change your life forever? Have you ever been in a situation, because that's what James is talking about, where you figured that you had life all figured out? Most of us, by the time we're a teenager, we are, we have life all figured out. My middle daughter, she is so independent and she is so, so bold and she is so, so brave and, and she's always talking about, dad, I would get a job if you'd let me get a job. I can live on my own if you let me get a job. And I said, you too young, you can't leave my house. I've got, I've got one that never wants to leave and i got another one. If I could get a job right now, I'd do it because I could do what I want to do. She's just got that independent spirit spirit in and I got one that's just happy to do whatever. She kind of goes with the flow. But do you remember being that age when you were a child and you had everything planned out and you knew exactly what you were going to do when you grow up and you knew exactly what you were going to be and you knew exactly where you were going to live and you knew exactly where you wanted to work and how many kids you would have and you would have the American dream. You would have 2.5 children. That's the American dream. I've yet to figure out how you get the other half of the child, but that is the American dream to have a house and a car and 2.5 children and a two-car garage And you know how your life will turn out. And not only do we plan that, but we don't just plan the beginning of our life. But as soon as we get into work, we start planning our exit from work. And we start planning how we're going to retire. And how we're going to set aside 401Ks and IRAs and trust and all sorts of things. Or pensions so we can be able to get into retirement. We're always making these plans for things. And then all of a sudden, something disrupts your plans. You go in for a routine checkup, not thinking anything is wrong, and you come out with news that may shatter your life. You, you leave the house thinking that everything is okay, and a car accident changes your world forever. Some people, uh, not too long ago in our nation, kissed their children goodbye and figured their children would come home, but unfortunately, due to the evil in this world, the children that they sent home never came home again. They very well planned for those children to come home again, and they should have come home again. But there is evil in the world. And all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, have had a life altering thing that has been earth shattering and has at least required us, even if it wasn't earth shattering, to make some significant adjustment in our life. Some of us are married to the person of our dreams. And some of us are married to the second person or the third or the fourth or the fifth person of our dream because sometimes things don't go out like they're planned. Sometimes things don't work out the way we thought they would go. And James is saying, come now, uh, who, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. In other words, James is telling us that this planning that we do in a way is foolish. And if you look at it on his head, you would think that James is saying not to plan at all, but that's not what James is saying. It's important to teach your kids to plan. I tell people all the time, those who fail to plan plan to fail. You need a plan or something in place. You need a one-year plan for your life, a three-year plan for your life, a five-year plan for your life. You need a 10-year plan for your life. The plans that we make aren't the problem, but many times when we look back in retrospect, how many times have you ever said, if I knew then what I knew now? don't you wish you had the benefit of what you know now to handle what you knew then and we find James this morning imparting more wisdom into the believers and giving them godly counsel on how they should govern their life's events how they should live life he is dressing the attitude about how we live life because life is more than what we do it's how we live it's the attitude we have that how we live somebody's attitude is I'm gonna live however I wanna live and I'm gonna do whatever I'm big and bad enough to do. Everybody has an attitude about life. And James is saying, if you listen vaguely, you might think that he's telling us not to plan at all, but let's take a look at the scripture and see what he's telling us. He's not telling us to stop making plans. He's not telling us not to have direction and goal. He's not telling us not to have one year or five year or three year goal plan. He's not telling us that we shouldn't have those plans. He's telling us the problem is who we entrust those plans to. And amen should be right there. Because a lot of times we're under the false assumption that we are in control we are under the false sovereign uh, uh, false indication that God is only sovereign when we want him to be but God's sovereignty by definition is sovereignty because it cannot be changed he is always sovereign he is always in control he always controls human events the things that happen he is not causing evil but he is overseeing and he knows what's going to happen and he can put it around for his good we don't consult God about our plans. It's amazing. I woke up Saturday morning. I got a phone call from brother Bob. Me and brother Bob have all sorts of theological conversations and he did not know this is what I'd be preaching today. But we began to talk about the sovereignty of God that our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases pleases that makes a conundrum for us because we have to answer the question well if God exists why is there evil in the world If God exists why do people die and that's another subject for another day those are questions that that can be answered and we have answers for those but this is the thing James is getting us today is that we don't consult a sovereign God about our temporal plans and realistically when was the last time that we had a major decision that before we made it we consulted God we go down to the car lot, huh? we consult the credit bureaus, <laughs> we, cons- we consult the, the car lot and the salesmen, but we don't consult God about what we need to do when we're ready to buy a home we consult the realtor to tell us the best places to live and the best places for schools and and upcoming business is this an upcoming neighborhood or is this an outgoing neighborhood and we rely on the realtor to give us the best events instead of relying and consulting on God we do it with spouses we we rely on our five senses that we like the way they look the way they smell the way they sound and and how they make us feel and we rely on those things to make our relationships but even though you like him or you like her, here's a question, have you even consulted God to see if that's the relationship that he has for you or did you just do what you wanted to do? Did you just pick the person you liked or have you ever stopped and asked a question, I like you but does God like you for me? Oh, it's quiet today but that's okay. I'm gonna preach it anyhow that sometimes we make plans without consulting God. We don't consult God, and that action reveals something in us that all of us have a little bit of. And if we're honest, we have it and we don't like it. But that word is pride. Everybody said pride what is pride pride is arrogance pride is an act of independence apart from our creator pride was shown and is, is listed in the bible as the condemnation of the devil it's the reason that the devil was kicked out of heaven because of pride it's because of Adam and Eve a, a, that we have to go through these things and why did they do it because they they fell prey to the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life God hates pride he's, he, he hates it so much that he he said that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall not only does he hate it but God is actively working against pride you know why because the Bible said that he resists the proud. He doesn't just sit there and let the proud go about his business. It says God is resisting or working against the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We as Christians are not people who should be celebrating pride. Pride is something that we should run from because God is not causing us to pride. God is causing us to humility. Pride is an active of uh, independence apart from our creator. It indicates that we master our own fates and that God is not involved in our process at all. I remember a poem that I used to have to remember and it said something and it it feels good to the flesh because it makes us feel like we've got that American spirit. It said it matters not how straight the gate nor charged with punishment the scroll. It ends the poem by saying I am the master of my faith. I am the captain of my soul. But the truth of the matter is you are not the master of your faith and you are not the captain of your soul. Either God's the master and the captain or Satan is the master and the Captain, you don't get to drive the bus, but pride will make you think that you are in charge. We don't place God in the number one seat in our lives, and that means we have to place ourselves. We're making our own decisions about where we live and who we marry. We're making our own decisions about what we do and where we work. We're making our own decisions about our own plans, and we never ask God, is this your will? Is that in the text, Pastor? Yes, there it says, come now, you who say tomorrow, we will go into such a thing and such and such a town and spend a year there and make trade a profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow may bring. We don't consult God, and then all of a sudden when things go bad, we lift up our head and say, God, can you help me out of this? We proud. We like who we like. How many a young girls could look back and say, mama told me not to marry him. He wasn't saved. I couldn't get him in church. He only came to church because he liked me. He was showing me signs that he was not a good spiritual leader. But I liked him. And now I have to come to church by myself. Mama told me not to like her. She for the streets. She's different than, than I was raised. And now every time I turn around, I'm having to find out where she is. Because I made my choices against my wisdom and God was leading my parents and I decided to do what I wanted to do. Have you ever been left holding the bag? You were big and proud and couldn't nobody tell you nothing about your life? Couldn't anybody tell you anything about your decisions? When they said, have you consulted God? You actually got insulted by it. You got to who do you think you are? This is the number two. Everybody has said these phrases at some point in time. I'm what? Grown. And I what? Do what I want to do. But you're always God's child if you saved. And if you're in his house, you're like my kids. I tell my kids, as long as you're in my house, you're not grown. If somebody else is paying your bills, you're not grown. If somebody else is doing stuff for you, I don't care if you're 60 years old. If somebody is taking care of you and you haven't ever taken care of yourself, you're not grown. Where are you going with this, Pastor? Because do you not know even though you go to work, it's not one time that you have fed or clothed yourself. The Bible says that it is God that's doing that. You only have that job because he allows it to be. You don't go where you think you go. You, and how big and bad you think you are. God will turn you over to a reprobate mind and let you live your life when you become so rebellious. But that's judgment. That's not pleasing to God. That's his judgment to say, I'm going to let you since you want to live how you want to live, I'm going to go ahead and let you live that way. And you can live independently of me. And that's what we seek in America. That's one of the words we see in America all day long. How many times have we seen that word displayed? Pride. Pride means I'm not worried about what God wants. I run my life my way. I do things my way. Fellas, have you ever been too prideful to ask for directions and ended up way, way off course and didn't want to admit that you were lost? ladies have you ever had a situation where you were too prideful to go to your husband or to some counsel if you're not married and now you need even more help in the than you did in the first place James is going to give us three things that will help revolutionize the way that we live life for as Christians if we want grace you have to be humble the Bible says that God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble and the only way that you can be humble is to say God I do what you want me to do I say what you want me to say I don't take the job because the job makes more money I take the job because you say it's okay to take the job I'd rather make less money and be in the will of God than make plenty of money and be out of the will of God because out of the will of God there is no protection out of the will of God there is no ark of safety I would rather be in the will of God The number one thing that James tells us today is that we should be open to the spirit to change our plans. I want you to repeat this after me. This is our first point for the day. Our plans are tentative until God's plan is definitive. Somebody said there's too many syllables, Pastor. We're going to do it one more time. Our plans are tentative until God's plans are definitive. When I'm at work, a lot of times I'll go out and I need to schedule. I'm always scheduling people and scheduling clients. And sometimes I will put outside of a day. They'll say, can you make it this day? And I'll say, I'm not sure. I may have something else planned. So I'm going to put your name on this day, but I'm going to write it beside tentative, which means it's not for sure. I'm planning to come, but make sure you got a way to adjust in case things don't work out like we planned. James is saying that's the attitude that we should have in life. It's okay to come to God with your requests. The good father gives good gifts to your children. It's okay to like stuff and say God I want to live here. I want to go there. I want to go to school here. Those things are okay but what is not okay is just to tell God what you want and never consider what he does. You say God this is my plan and I'm going to put a T right here. I'm going to make it tentative. Why? I'm going to make it tentative so I will leave space for you to rewrite what I wrote because I may have written in something and made a mistake and you have a different perspective and vantage point than I do so I'm going to let you rewrite what I wrote if I had my way, if I did things the way that I want to do them, I would be soaking up the wonderful warm sun of Mississippi right now. I'd I'd probably be out of service by now, and I'd be somewhere with some crab legs, sitting out and some crawfish, sitting out and enjoying a nice evening of Mississippi sun, sitting on my back patio that was fenced in and listening to the cars drive by. I would be sitting there with everything written like I want. It to re- be written, and I would have my business running how I wanted to be uh, running. But the thing is, God has some other plans that were different than my plans, and because He had Other plans that were different for my plans. I got blessings that I wasn't looking for because I wrote in my plans. If anybody who's been close to me knows Willie doesn't believe in accidents, Willie believes in intent, Willie believes that you're right. I will often tell you, turn that life is not checkers. It's checkers. You don't hop from place to place. You have a strategy. But at the end of that strategy, you have to leave room for God. James says, instead, you ought to say, is it, if it's the Lord's will, we will do this or that. Like LeVar Burden said, you don't have to take it, my word for it. Pull that scripture up in, in James right there. It says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will do This or that. James James 4 and 15 is telling us that our attitude, it's not just about an incantation. Some people take that literally and they'll say, I'm going to do this if it's the Lord's will. If the Lord's will, i see you tomorrow. They just put it as a tagline. On the end of their sentence, they say, oh, I'm covered. I said, if it's the Lord's will. But in your heart, you don't mean if it's the Lord's will. In your heart, you're saying, I'm going to do this. But I'm going to just say that so I can make sure. I said, if it's the Lord's will. But what he is talking about is not the incantation or the tagline on the end, but it is the posture of our heart. Are we really depending on God? Because the opposite of pride is dependence. I go with you tell me to go. I say what you tell me to say. I do what you tell me to do. I am not the master of my faith. I am not the captain of my soul. I sir will reserve that for you most holy God because you have navigated every water. You are he who was and he who is and he who is to come. I don't see the curve coming but you made the curve and you know it's there so I'm going to let you try the bus. Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, verse 6 through 7, the, it tells us that they let God to, to, to help them along their way. They had other plans. Everybody, let's read Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 7. We'll read this together so you can see what I mean. What does it say? And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go in the Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus did not allow them. But they were doing good. They were spreading the gospel. Why would God stop them? from doing something good repeat this after me every good idea is not a God idea just because it's a good thing to do that doesn't mean God has it for you to do we have to make sure that we are doing what God wants us to do right after this scripture is read you see a vision come to Paul of a man from Macedonia saying that we need help come to us had they been in Asia had they been in other places they would have been doing good work but they would have missed the assignment and the Macedonian call that God had for them I submit to you today some of us may be missing our assignments because we have not humbled ourselves in and submitted to the Spirit of God. When it said the spirit of God did not allow them, it didn't mean their feet wouldn't work. It meant that the spirit urged on them that it was not the time and they made their feet submit to the spirit. They didn't get mad and puffed up and say, I got ministry over there. I got work to do over there and I I could build a church there and I could do some things and and Asia needs to be worked. They submitted to the will of God. Paul and Silas and Timothy are blocked from going to Asia to go to Macedonia, but I need you to know something because sometimes we get mad when doors get closed in our faith. We get mad when jobs don't pan out the way we think. We get mad when friends walk off and leave us. But I need you to repeat this after me. Everybody said denial, denial is direction. The easiest way to know which door to go in is to lock all the other doors, and then I know not do, which door not to go in. So well, sometimes when God is telling us no, we kick and we scream and we fight and we pout. Don't we? We want somebody, but I love him, God. I I want to marry him. Uh, but I love God, her God. But I want to marry her and uh, marry him. And when the life gets uh, and when things don't work out the way that we plan, we get upset and we get mad about it. God. But God sees things that we do not see. And you ought to praise God. We've gotten in the habit, sir, Huh? We only shout when the door opens don't we in the church if somebody get up and they give a testimony about a house or a car or a new job or a new degree everybody shouts because God has opened the door why don't we shout because sometimes he closed the door you ought to be thankful God made them run out of your life they saved you a whole lot of headache you ought to be glad he didn't let you get that job because there was something on that job that you did not need sometimes denial is not even delay it is direction telling us how we need to go But we as Americans, with our proud American spirit, we stand at the door and then we can't open it. So we go get some dynamite and we kind of blow it open. Pride goeth before destruction and the hearty spirit before the fall. Pride. I need you to know today that denial is direction. Denial is letting us know that we are on the path God wants us for. God, why haven't you made the ministry bigger yet? Because it's not time for that yet. In due time, I will do it when I'm ready. God, why are you making churches all across America closed? Why are pastors leaving their churches? Uh, God, uh, God, we didn't foresee this happening. And they felt like they could make it happen. And they were trying to do something for you. God and now the church is closed. They were trying to do something for you, but they can't seem to push forward. And the ministry and they're having to redirect and re-examine their life and reimagine their purpose. What God is trying to let you know right now is that I'm not denying you because I hate you. I'm denying you because I love you, and I'm trying to get you in the vein and the path where I can bless you, like I need to bless you and get you right in the right row. Praise me for the doors I close because. I'm opening doors that no eye has seen, and no ear has heard, and no mind can (laughs) conceive. James is letting us know these things, but number two, the next things that James is letting us know, everybody said we should maximize our moments. James 4, chapter 14, says this, James 4 and 14, if you catch it, you can read it with me. He says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. One of our biggest deceits in life is the thought that we have time. You know, there are some people that know it's right to come to Jesus, but they won't come to Jesus because they are under the false assumption. Because they're young, they have time. I'm gonna wait until my hips go out and I can't floss no more. <laughs> and then i come to Jesus. I'm gonna wait until my hearing goes out from being in the club and then I'll come to church and complain that the music is too loud. I'm gonna wait until my body is broken and when I'm all out of options, then i come to Jesus. Just because you don't realize it doesn't mean it's not true. You may not have the time that you think you have. I love being from the country because in the country they have simple ways to say profound things. And my grandma would look at somebody and my mother would say, you know it's just as many short grades as it is long ones. Simple, but yet profound. You know what they're saying? you may not have the time that you think you have James is saying you are a mist this phrase shifts the perspective of control from us to the place where it belongs in the hands of God yes we should plan but we should live each moment with intention as if it's our last you may come in here and say I'm not feeling good today I see everybody else around here jumping and praising and worshiping their hands I'm gonna let them praise today I get better when I feel better next week I, I, I give Got a little more. Who's to say you'll make it back? Terhan, I didn't practice this week like I needed to, uh, uh, so I'm just gonna phone it in today. I do better next week. You do that with Terhan, Terhan will fire you. <laughs> because all you have is not tomorrow. The only thing you have is right now, not even today. Some of us may not make it past today. I love this quote. Many people take credit for this quote, but I attribute it to Eleanor Roosevelt, and this is what she says. She says, yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery, and today is a gift. That's why it's called the present i say it one more time. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. But today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. God has given you today. Don't leave today without trying to share the love of Jesus and lead somebody to Christ because you may not have tomorrow. The present is the only present that you are guaranteed to get this one second. You have to make sure that you maximize every moment. And the last thing, everybody said, don't forget to fill in the blanks. In Christendom, we've gotten so good at telling people what we're against, we stop telling people what we're for. And so psychologically, we check boxes that if I don't do this, That, 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 I'll be saved. There used to be a saying that I don't drink, smoke, or chew, or hang with those who do. Have you ever heard heard that phrase? As long as I'm not doing this, or gambling, or lying, or doing all those things. If I don't do this and I check the box that I'm good. In other words, as long as I avoid doing the bad stuff, I'm good. But James takes that and he flips it on top of his head. He says it a different way. Pull up James chapter four, verse 17. I want us to read this and so we can redirect our thinking in the limited time that we have. What does it say? So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. I want us to read that loud. And I want you to take out whoever and put in there, so if I, uh, let's, let's do that. Let's go. So if I know the right thing to do and fail to do it, for me, it is sin. Let's say that again. For if I know the right thing to do it and fail to do it, for me, it is sin. It's not just the things and the sins that you avoid. But it's also aborting doing the things God has told you to do. A weak, anemic prayer life is sin. When you serve God and and form and you show up to church, but in your heart, you forget to pray, you forget to study. You forget to worship on your personal levels. You look at people in need and you you do this. You come up to the, the corner as we do so much in Detroit. And you look straight ahead, so you won't make eye contact with the person with the sign there. And sometimes, not every time, the Lord is nudging your heart. I'm not talking about the time when you're not being nudged, but sometimes, let's be honest, the Lord is nudging your heart. You have to be careful about that. Let the window down and give. But what do you do? You keep looking straight ahead. For him who knows the good he ought to do and does I know there's something that I need to be doing in ministry. God has placed a call on my life, Pastor. But I just don't have the time. For you who know the good you ought to do and don't do it, it's sin. If you can't make it, it's one thing. But, Pastor, I I know I need to be at Bible study on Wednesday night. But I'm tired. For him who knows the good that can do it and doesn't do it, for you, it's sin. It's sin. For somebody else, it may not be sin because they can't. They're doing something they're not there. But you know whether or not you can do what you need to do. And if God has poked and pressed your heart that there's a vein you need to be in. In other words, that to not live up to the potential that God has placed on our life is sin. We often view sin as atrocious acts that transgress against man and against God. And so by avoiding the bad stuff, we can avoid sin. But sometimes we run straight out of sins of commission right into sins of omission. It's not only what you don't commit, but it's also what you omit. Well, I'll do it tomorrow. How do you know you have tomorrow? Your life is but a vapor. When I got $10,000 in the bank, then I'll do it. I'm saving up for this project, so I'm going to skip church. I'm going to skip worship. And when I get this money saved how I want to save, then I'll I be faithful to God. No, you won't. Because it's not about the money. It's about the posture and the priority of your heart. Jesus is our perfect example, Terhah. Nobody wants to go to a cross. Nobody wants to die. The Bible says that Jesus was under such stress, there is an actual medical condition. Where you can be under so much stress that the capillaries in your skin will begin to break. And when you bleed, when you sweat... There will be blood in your sweat. Jesus is under extreme sweat. He is saying, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to the point of death. He's sitting in the garden and he's saying, God, if it will, isn't it amazing how our salvation was taken away at a garden, but it was given back at a garden? But Adam and Eve had to make, thank you, Holy Ghost, Adam and Eve made a decision in a garden that wrecked our lives. But Jesus made a decision in the garden that saved our lives, for it was in the garden. It was in the garden that he said, I don't want to do this, daddy. If it is your will, let this cup pass from me. Let me put it to you in plain English instead of Elizabethan English. God, they don't like us no way. Father, they're going to spit on me and this is going to be painful. I really don't want to do this. If we could find another way out of this, let's please find another way to do this. But then he thinks about it and he said, nevertheless, not my will. But thine be done. Aren't you so glad that Jesus submitted his will to the Father? That they are co-equal and co-eternal in nature. They are co-powerful together, but they still submit in harmony. One submits to the other. Submission. Be careful of people. Who are always trying to bolster pride. Because pride says, God, I don't need you. God, I live my own life. And it seems so right. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I want to tell you this. I don't usually come down here. I hope the camera guy can catch me. But I want you to hear this. People say that I'll live my own life and I'll do what I want to do. And the Bible says there's a way that seems right to man. But the end is death. The Bible in the book of Romans said that professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And they gave up following a glorious God and began to serve four-footed animals. That they began to do all sorts of crazy and wild stuff because of pride and this is god's judgment he says because of their wickedness and their pride in their hearts he turned them over to a reprobate mind you know what a reprobate mind is not only do you do wrong but you're proud of it the scripture said, not only did they do these things, but they encouraged, they were proud of those, they promoted those who did it, wickedness, pride. They made their own plans for their life. But I want to tell you today, for those of you who have been living your life according to your plans, how's it working out for you? Did it work out like you planned? For you who wanted to raise your kids the way you wanted to raise them, instead of the way God wanted you to raise them, how's that working out for you? For you that were lazy, not just in church attendance, but in your devotional at home, and now your children are in, disinterested in God, how's that working out for you? But here's the encouraging thing <laughs> that you can change it today. yesterday is history tomorrow is a mystery right now is a a present it's a gift I want to read this to you I put it in a sermon before but I think it's it's pertinent to today seek you the Lord while he may be found call on him while he may answer you. Dr. Benjamin E. Mays penned these words. It's poetry day today. He says "I I have only just a minute. One with 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me. Can't refuse it. Didn't seek it. Didn't choose it. But it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it. Give account If I abuse it, just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. Every decision you make today has eternal consequences. Everything you do today has eternal shockwaves. What choice will you make today of your best made plans? Today as Brother Dave comes, I want us to be reflective. I want us to stand and start to think about the things that we've tried to direct in our own life and how we've had to captain our own life. And today I want us to make a charge to let God take control of our plans. Those are the best made plans. If you need to rededicate your life to Christ, if you want to come to this altar, just so God can heal you and touch you, whatever you need today, this altar is open. Brother Ernie, if you can come up, Robin, if you can come up, Sister Stacy, if you can come up, we got people here that are able to pray for you. Thank you, Pastor Ernie, our pastoral team. we got people here that can pray. If you need prayer, now's the time. Submit to God. Give him your plans. Lay pride to the side. Everybody say that. Lay pride to the side. Submit to God. Only what you do for Christ will last. Brother day.